The Ziggler Show, timeless inspiration from Zig Ziggler that's influenced over 250 million people worldwide, inspiring true performance in your work and life today. Welcome to episode 302 of The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and today's title is The Responsibility to Influence. We're going to hear an incredible clip from Zig himself. Then Tom Ziegler and I will discuss influence. We asked a question, actually three questions, on Facebook about 17 hours ago. And we're just nearing 200 personal response, people actually giving commentary to what we asked. So we're going to discuss that. Of course, it's directly pulled out of this clip that we're going to talk about. So I'm really interested to dive into today's topic. Before we start, while I'm talking to you from high up in the Rocky Mountains, Tom Ziegler is live with us from the Ziegler headquarters in Texas. Those of you who are watching, you can see him there. Tom, tell us something exciting. All right, Kevin. Well, I've got something exciting. We all know that this is January. This is the season of New Year's resolutions. And what we really want to do is we want to make those habits. So here's a quote for you. Your attitude is a reflection of your character and your character is a reflection of your habits. Mm. Think about that. Whatever attitude you're exhibiting, it's a direct result of the habits that you're nurturing in your life. So if you want to be known as the go-to person with a great attitude, can-do, work ethic, somebody who's an encourager, somebody who makes things happen, what habits are you doing today to make that happen? So that's my exciting word for the day. Think about that. Your attitude is a reflection of your character, and your character is a reflection of your habits. That's exciting. It's also daunting, uh, of course, (laughs) and somewhat convicting, uh, dramatically convicting, actually. Uh, Wow. Thank you, brother. Well, hey, uh, so let's hear from your father and what he has to say on a couple topics that we are going to sum up into the aspect of influence and go again to these questions. I'll read the questions that we posted on Facebook that relate to this clip, and then we're going to talk about some aspects of that and read some of the actual comments from our Facebook fans. So here we go. Let's hear from Zig. I was going to start this thing with a little story I tell that didn't knock your hair out. But I noticed several of you fellows have already heard it. Uh, So I certainly won't go into that at this particular moment. I'm going to uh, start simply by saying this. Uh, Years and years and years ago, I was flying in on a plane, which is generally the way I fly. Seated next to an old boy, couldn't ever notice he had his wedding band on the index finger of his left hand. Well, I commented on it. I said, fella, I can't help but notice you got your wedding band there on the wrong finger. He said, yeah, I married the wrong woman, you know. (laughs) Well, as I've been saying for years, I don't know if he married the wrong woman or not, but I do know that most people have a lot of wrong ideas about what the professional salesperson is, what they represent, what they do, and the contributions they make. So I'll start by reinforcing what Brian was talking about with some questions. How many of you uh, really believe you sell a pretty good product? Can I see your hands, all right? How many of you believe you sell an extraordinarily good product? 
How many of you sell a product that solves a problem? Can I see your hand? How many of you believe that when you sell a product that solves a problem, you deserve a profit? Can I see your hand? How many of you believe if you sell two products that solve two problems, you deserve two profits? Can I see your hand? How many have you been selling as long as a year? Can I see your hand? How many of you have still got every dime you've ever earned in the profession of selling? Can I see your hands? How many of you have got customers that are still using and benefiting from what you sold them a year ago, two years ago, ten years ago, even longer? Can I see your hand? All right. Then who's the big winner? The customer, all right. Then is the sales process something you do to somebody or something you do for somebody? Then why would you hesitate ever to be willing to do something nice for somebody else? Can I see your hand? Now, one of the things that uh, happens to me periodically, somebody thinking they're paying me a compliment will say, you know, they tell me you could sell anything to anybody. I said, you have just described a con artist. A professional salesperson cannot and will not sell anything unless he clearly or she clearly understands that the customer is the big winner in the transaction. That's what the professional salesperson does. Uh, the message is very clear. Make certain the customer is the big winner if you're going to build a permanent sales career. And to do that, you must sell product, our goods, our services, where you know and are very comfortable, your conscience is absolutely clear, you know that when you leave that prospect that is now a customer, that they're going to be the big winners. Now, I want to tell you, I'm very proud to be a salesman. A lot of people don't realize this, but America was literally discovered by salesmen. Not by any stretch of imagination could you accuse Christopher Columbus of being a navigator. Uh, he's looking for India. He missed it 12,000 miles. Now, folks, that is not uh, navigation. You might say, well, was he a salesman? Well, he was an Italian in Spain, way out of his territory. Only had one prospect to call on, and if they said no, he's got to swim back home. He really had to do some selling. Those five ships, and a lot of people don't realize he started with five, but two of them didn't go over the side. Uh, uh, on the trip, he literally had to keep on selling in order to keep on sailing. Uh, not only that, but he had to make a sale before he even got aboard the ships because Isabella and Ferdinand of Spain kept saying to him, Chris, price too high, can't afford it. You know, I mean, just, just can't buy it. We don't have any money, actually. And as I understand it, though this is not verbatim, and since I was not there, I can't say this with certainty, but what he said to them, he said, uh, look, Izzy, uh, for Isabella, I'm not certain as I say that term he used, but he says, you got that string of beads around your neck. Why don't we take them down to the pawn shop, hock it, and finance the deal that way? Well, historically speaking, they literally had to make special arrangements in order to get there. We were discovered by a salesman. We were populated by a salesman. Sir Walter Raleigh toured the coffee houses of London, persuading those people to leave the security, quote, of their homeland to go into a foreign land where he had no guarantee on anything at all. And he sold, and because of that, he was able to bring people into America. We were freed by salesmen. George Washington, now I want you to consider this. How many of you are sales managers? Can I see your hands, please? All right. Uh, he had to do a super sales job. He said, look, what are we going to do? Going to go to war against the most powerful nation on earth, big army, big navy. Uh, we're going to rebel and we're going to fight those people. And I got to tell you, be completely honest, if we win this war, I'm not going to be able to pay you. Sorry about that. Uh, if we lose it, they're going to hang you to the highest tree. 
Now, if you sales managers sometimes think you have trouble recruiting, just think about George. I mean, now he really had to do a sales job. We were freed by a salesman. We were expanded our territory by a salesman, Lewis and Clark. You know, first 175 years after the people got here, we were still just on the verge of the Appalachian Mountains. Lewis and Clark studied what the British had done, so they set up trading posts manned by salespeople so that when they went westward, they could get the supplies that was necessary. Necessary. So we were not only uh, freed by a salesman, discovered by a salesman, populated by a salesman, and expanded by a salesperson, but today you as salespeople are completely responsible for goods and services you sell. Our whole economy depends on it. How many of you uh, are required to have a little piece of paper that you write the order on when you, uh, when, when you go out and make a sale? Most everybody at one point or another has to use paper. Is that not true? Well, you see, that paper didn't start out as paper. It started out as a tree. Now, what had to happen, we had to go out in the woods, cut the tree down, and then haul it to the paper mill. Now, had you not made the sale, there'd been no need for that. In the paper mill, there are hundreds of people involved in manufacturing that tree in the paper. Well, you take part of your profit. You did make a profit. You go to the grocery store and you buy a can of beans. And the grocer in essence said, look, if you're going to buy my beans, i got to get some more. He goes to the wholesaler and said, hey, need more beans. Wholesaler said, if you go buy my beans, i got to get some more. He goes to the cannon and said, need more beans. They said, if you're going to buy my beans, i got to get some more. He goes to the farmer and said, need more beans. Farmer said, if you're going to buy my beans, i got to raise some more to do that. got to get a new tractor. The one I got's all worn out. He goes down to the Emma dealer and said, hey, got to have a new tractor. Emma dealer said, man, if you're going to buy my tractor, i got to go to the factory and get another one because this is the last one I got, go to the factory and they say, man, if you're going to do that, I got to bring in iron, plastic, uh, seal, aluminum, lead, zinc, rubber, all of those things to manufacture that tractor. And every bit of that happened because one day you got out there and made a sale. And that's what you ought to tell people. Our economy is dependent on that. Now, since the economy is dependent on it, understand that your character is a critically important part of all of this. I'm not talking about making a sale. I'm talking about making a sale so you can make the next one, the next one, the next one, and the next one. That's why character is so important. All right, so much wealth in that relatively short uh, eight-and-a-half-minute clip. So I'm going to pull a few things out. Uh, Tom, uh, we'll we'll do a little discussion here. I do want to hit, again, some of the questions. Real quick, even before... I make some commentary here. I want to share with everybody who will be listening to tens of thousands of people who will listen to this podcast later. The questions that we posted on Facebook are are these three questions. Do you believe you can truly serve people if you don't have much influence with them? Number two, is the ability to influence something you either have or don't? Or Or is it a skill you must learn? Number three, how would you rate your ability to influence others from your family to those you work with? And again, as of right now, there is, I think we're just a couple under 200 comments on there. We're going to try to do justice to some of the compilation here. But uh, Tom, let me pull out a couple things that your wise dad said. He, he talked about you know the sales process. It's not something you do to someone uh, it's something you do for someone. And that sounds obvious, but that is a big paradigm shift when you are the one who has, again, a product, a service, 
a message. This might be your kids that you're trying to uh, influence. You think, I need to talk them into my perspective. I need to talk them into this thing. And he is, again, continues to come back and says, no, this is something you authentically do for them and to stop before we enter into a situation like that and pull that on is significant. And it just, why isn't that natural, Tom? (laughs) I think it starts with motive. So many people in sales, especially in the beginning, they're so wrapped up in themselves. They're so wrapped up in what they're trying to do. They're so wrapped up in trying to make a living that they're not doing it for the customer or the prospect's benefit, you know? So they see the sales process as something you do to someone, right? I, I was taught the script. I've got to go here to here to here to here. When you mature a little bit and you realize that truly you can have everything in life you want if you just help enough other people get what they want, that's when you understand that people love to buy. You know, I've heard it a million times. People love to be to buy, but they hate to be sold. Mm-hmm. And so when you help someone buy, that's a totally different thing. It's all in the motive. And a, and a true professional salesperson, when they have a product or service of value and they ask somebody what their needs are for their own benefit, you know, the person's benefit, not the salesperson. I've seen great salespeople say, you know what? You really don't need this. You're fine just where you are. You may lose that sale today, but guess what? You've just gotten five referrals. Mm-hmm. And so what we need to do is be focused on what the, the need is of the person in front of us and help them to buy, which is uncovering their needs, why they're interested in the first place. When we do that, great traction happens. Absolutely. And I'm going to bring this home. As much as we are talking to people who may view themselves as being in sales, of course, as, as Ziegler teaches, everybody you know, is in sales. And that's why we're talking about this word of influence. I mean, if I don't have influence, again, I'm going to take this to a, a personal relationship. If I don't have influence with my kids on the character traits I hope that they have, the bad habits I hope that they don't have, then it is, it can be catastrophic. I mean, uh, and to take that into his quote, if you believe your product service or message or care or love can fulfill a true need, can help somebody, it's your moral obligation to sell it. And that's why in this clip, he says, why wouldn't you do something nice, you know, for somebody else? We all understand that. But if we do not uh, have the skills, we have, we may have the heart, the care, the intent, but then really just don't have some of the skill sets to influence, we miss out on a lot. And you know, in this clip, again, he talks about salespeople are our heroes. Without these people who were able to influence and cause change to the better, we would not be where we are in the good sense of where our world is. So again, he pulls out when selling is manipulation, that's a con artist. None of us want to be that. We probably all experienced them. And we, uh, I think, inadvertent or unfairly then relate that term of sales to that. And it's not that. When it's done for your benefit only, when we sell only for our benefit, it's just, it's just wrong. You know, it's, you could say it's evil. When it's done for good, though, it is wisdom and it is valiant. So, Tom, here's the thing. You know I've got a soapbox on this, and I know you share the same one. This is tragic. There's an overload of great of wealth, I should say, of great products, great services, great messages. And I'll add people with great intent, great heart, great care for others, for humanity that could change the world. 
there are glorious intents of the heart and soul that humanity drastically thirsts for. They need, but they die on the field of poor delivery and communication. Again, the lack of ability to influence others. Now, let's get, if we get a little, a little faith-based here, Tom, which we like to do, there are many people, I see this significantly among people of faith, who believe that they have a, they know their heart is good, they have great intent, and they have a message, a product, a service, uh, something that, and they feel it's, this is, this is something anointed, something really put on their heart. And I think they errantly often, I know they do, a, a lot of people errantly think that because of that reality, that spiritual faith-based heart reality, that it will just happen, that you know, God will make it happen. And yet we see so many of those anointed messages, product services, intents, and ideals die due again to poor delivery and communication. So Tom, I'm going to put this on you. There was one burning bush moment in the Bible. There was one parting you know, of the Red Sea. God does do miracles, but how much more of the wealth of our Bible, if we just take that, is focused on wisdom. Seek wisdom. Seek wisdom. The world is a cunning place. You need to go out there and be able to relate. So talk to us about some of that perspective, because I know you're enmeshed in it as much or more than anybody is. Absolutely. I'll tell you, uh, about three and a half years ago, I went to uh, Dublin, Ireland, and I went there to work with a speaker coach. And this guy is fantastic. He, his name is Paul Mussolini. Uh, he works with all the top Fortune 500 uh, industry ty- uh, icons in, in Europe and movie stars. And he was working with me, and uh, he asked me, he said, why do you do this? You know, why do you want to go out? Because he's trying to get my heart. And I said, well, I, I want to I please God. And he said, well, whatever you do, don't say that here. And he was talking about Europe, but I think he was talking about the world. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well... Over here, if you say that, the audience takes it as a cop-out. Hmm. You see, what they expect is for you to be professional, well-prepared, your delivery to be excellent. If you use PowerPoints, they need to be top-notch. You need to have your research done. You need to know about your audience in advance. You need to have all that nailed down. And then if you're doing all that for God, just keep it to yourself hmm. and let the message speak for itself. Let the integrity of the process speak for itself. And it's interesting because... In my heart, it was sad, but I knew he was right because I see a lot of people, like you said, with all the greatest intentions in the world who basically go out there with this great message and they wing it. They don't give it the respect and honor that it deserves. They don't realize that they're carrying in their, in their heart and in their hands this, this coal of influence that could set fire to the world. But you have to have the, the you know, the flame, you have to stroke the flames with, with the right kind of wind to get that coal to light up, right, and catch fire to other things. And so now when I prepare, I do what Dad did. I mean, Dad would spend three hours preparing for every talk he ever gave, hmm. even though he'd given it thousands of times. And that's because he knew that pleasing God was a much bigger responsibility than pleasing the audience. They see the standards in a whole other realm. And so that's what I encourage people to do, whether you're a person or faith or not, you know, present what you're going to do with excellence, professionalism, research, do it with the audience's needs in mind. When you get on stage, it's not about you. You need to be so well prepared that the event is not about you at all. You even forget you're there. It's just the people watching. And in sales, it's the same way. It's not about you in the sales process. It's about that person or that family sitting in front of you who you could avoid 
pain and anguish in their future if you're able to communicate your product or service and the benefits that it brings. Okay. Well, again, you're coming back over and over. Uh, Zig talked about character in this, and we're talking <clears throat> about the aspect of influence. Those of you who have good intent, you want to serve people, you must have influence. So what you said there, Tom, that I love, yes, so often you wing it and just figure that, you know, either you got it or you don't. Some people have it or you don't. And yet you witnessed face-to-face uh, -face your dad, who I think so many people put on a pedestal of this genius, brilliant person, and yet you saw him putting in his time, which, which brings us back, you know, Malcolm Gladwell wrote the book Outliers, and the primary essence of that was looking at these celebrities, these uh, famed people in our culture now and in the past that we would put in that same area, and he comes back and says, you know, ultimately when you break it down, they may have had some fortunate circumstances that allowed them to put in more time than somebody else. But the truth is, it's a culmination of that. They put more time in. And he actually pulled it out to a, a 10,000 hours. And we use that now as vernacular yeah. that, hey, I can do this well because I put my 10,000 hours in. You saw him do that. So if you're sitting out there hearing this, whether you think you're in sales or not, you uh, your progress, your success in life so much depends on your ability to do what you feel God would have you do depends on your ability to influence, to have respect with people, to have them hear you. And so in that sense, that brings you back to Zig's selling is a responsibility. This is something that you need if you have a spouse that you want to care for. If you have children, if you have friends, family, coworkers, a business, a company, uh, I mean, this is the essence of a, an ability that we all need. And yet to some degrees, Tom, I feel like it's, it's a lost art. Uh, we don't have Zig up on stage in front of 50,000 people now talking about some of these things. And we are much more of a microwave society that teaches just some of the, Hey, here's some tools, some widgets to help you do this thing, but they don't get to the heart of it. You can have the best tools, the best resources. If you do, if you lack the ability to influence, you're very, you're very isolated. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And you know, all influence is, it's, it's the ability to get someone else to take action and nothing changes in the world until action happens. So we have to influence our kids, we need to influence our friends, we need to influence our family, our teachers, our customers, our employees, our team members, everybody. Because when we do that in a positive way, they take action in a positive direction and things get done. Okay, well, so let's give a couple things. I like to give, well, I, this is the Ziegler Show, so we're allowed to promote ourselves. And we're going to do that real quick here, just for a moment. And then we're going to jump into some of the comments, some of the almost 200 comments now that were given on some of our questions regarding influence. We have, Tom, if you'll tell them a little bit, we have a U.S. tour coming up that is going to entail you, Tom Ziegler, going to some cities around the country and spending a day talking about the Ziegler Keys to Top Performance. Following that, and you're actually going to be opening up the next day, you're going to be opening, this is not a two-day event, these are separate events, so some people will want to take advantage of both, but the next day you're going to open up an event led by our last week's podcast and show guest, Mike Rodriguez, who is going to be leading a sales boot camp. Folks, again, 
Don't let that term sales uh, deter you if you don't think of yourself in sales. As we're talking about right here, sales is influence. We all need it. I would like every one of my kids to attend that boot camp. I don't care what profession they go into. There's going to be the need. They're going to benefit so greatly from the ability to influence people from a, from a heartfelt level. So the U.S. tour is coming up. Uh, tell folks about that. All right. Well, the first one's coming up at the end of January. It's in Orlando. I believe it's the 28th and 29th. Uh, then we have Atlanta, Nashville, Phoenix, and Seattle throughout the rest of the year. The day I'm going to be working on is it's a full day. It's eight hours. It's all of dad's best material along with a bunch of my stuff. It's probably 50-50 on content. We're going to be talking about what is performance, how to move from survival to significance, and that we end the day powerfully where everybody's going to set two goals that you can take action on. We're going to talk about the pandemic that's sweeping a country, better known as zombies. I mean, I don't know if anybody out there has ever worked with a zombie, but that's tough. So we have the zombie cure. And these are just some of the things we're covering. Mike is going to be covering the Ziggler Basics. It's a boot camp. So if you want to retune and get ready to sell more than you ever have, in 2015, then this is the place you need to be. Or maybe you're in the service industry, maybe you're not directly in sales, but like dad said this, he said, everybody in business is in sales because no matter where we are, we are a postcard, we are a billboard for what we represent. How we do that influences other people. I hope you could come and join us. It's, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Okay. And folks, again, just to be transparent on that, that's a, it's a $99 event. This is something that everybody can afford and it is, uh, it, it's well worth, again, anybody's, uh, it's worthwhile, whether you view yourself in the sales profession or not, everyone, everyone is a salesperson. Okay. I'm going to jump over Tom and we're going to be, uh, we're going to be kind of ad libbing this because we've had so many comments come in. It's been hard to sift through those though. I will have to make a call out to one of the Ziggler team members, Jacob Salem, uh, who does the majority of the post on the Ziggler Facebook fan page. He did go through, spent some time going through a lot. I want to share a couple things that he said. He said, I was really surprised how many people, you know what? Let me give the, let me give the first uh, question here. Do you believe you can truly serve people if you don't have influence with them? Now, so Jacob's reading through these. He says, I was really surprised how many people concluded that you cannot serve people if you don't have much influence with them. He said that seemed to be the general answer. There were some questions given, but in more of a rhetorical format. He said, I've copied a lot of the responses here, and but most everyone who commented had a solid base as to why they took the stance that they did. Most had a really good grasp of this concept, but many believe influence trumps service. And that comes to, uh, you know, the, the other questions the, is the ability to influence something you either have or don't, is it a skill you must learn? And how would you rate your ability to influence others from your family, uh, influence others from your family to those you work with, but can you serve people without influence? And they put influence as a premium. All right. So here, here's a couple, uh, a couple of people who responded here. Uh, I don't believe this is from Aaron. I don't believe it's possible to truly serve uh, someone without influence. I mean, that's a pretty basic statement there. Uh, you need to be willing to open yourself up to one's pain, feel with them and not for them. And he wrote some more just again on the character 
of this. I mean, you'd almost say, Tom, and I, I'm just pulling this out as we're ad living here. There's a character of influence. Uh, I'm going to throw that at you. How about that? Tell us about the, yeah. what would you say the character of influence? Because we're talking about skills. There are some things to do, but to have a character, you talked before about checking your motives. Tell us more. Right. Well, I would say this, that influence is a byproduct of character. And I'll, and I'll give two examples, one positive and one negative. If you've ever been out in public somewhere and you see somebody who's obviously very angry and very upset and you see them from a distance, what do you do? You keep your distance. You walk away from them, right? They're, they're not somebody who you want to get next to. They're not serving you, but they are influencing you in the other direction. So the positive example of that is when you serve someone, you're building influence in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So service creates a greater level of influence. We also see cases of influence where somebody has power and somebody doesn't have power and there may be no service involved. Mm -hmm. And so what I like to think in the right context is we want to develop all the right character qualities and then the byproduct of those qualities as we share those with people is the right kind of influence motivating and inspiring them to go in the right direction. Okay. Well, you got to, I got to jump on that. Then the right kind of influence, you mentioned something there. Uh, I think we could safely say that a lot of people might confuse influence <clears throat> with authority and you can have in authority, which gives you the right to influence or forces other people to follow you. You, that's not the influence that we're talking about though, is it? No, we're talking about the influence that gets somebody to do something that's in their own best interest for their own reasons. That's, that's, that's a quote poster. We should, we should create that one. That's, <laughs> did somebody catch that? We, well, we got that we're recording here. Okay. Uh, Leah here, she says, if you don't have influence and you were, you, uh, really said this in essence, but if you don't have influence, people ignore you, they forget about you. So you cannot serve them in any way. Uh, Tom, on that note, it reminds me in my work in helping a lot of people become self-employed over the past years, a lot of people who have been influenced by a coach, a, a speaker, a motivator, a consultant, and they really want to serve people in that intimate leadership way. And one of the questions that actually I got to attribute to my dad, Dan Miller, uh, author of 48 Days of the Work You Love. Many people know him, uh, who's going to be our guest next weekend, by the way. Uh, next week, I'm sorry. Uh, he said one of the first questions he asked to somebody who would like to be a coach or consultant, he says, do people listen to you now? Great question. However, we need to dive deeper when people say yes, because what we'll find sometimes is people are just a listening ear. A compassionate listening ear is a great value. However, that's different than influence and saying, now do people want to hear what you have to say back and would they pay you for that? This is where we get into the aspect, again, of you know heart and intent, but the ability and skill to influence. I mean, Tom, I know you again have seen so many people who have great heart, great intent, and you realize they have a treasure to offer people, and yet they're missing some aspects of influence, which when we break it down to a great degree are PR. Yeah, PR is a big piece. Where they're not polished in their presentation or their communication. Uh, another thing that I see many times is, you know, we talk about the wheel of life, the physical, mental, spiritual, family, financial career 
Uh, and sometimes somebody will have a great deal of to, to offer the world, but one of those spokes is out of balance. You know, like they might have a lot of wisdom on a particular category, but they weigh 400 pounds. Mm-hmm. And so people can't get past the messenger, right? So if I'm going to bring you wisdom, then I have to bring that wisdom to you in a package that makes sense to represent. So I also know people who are, you know, have different capacities and they do a great job of influence. And you think, how do they do that? It's because they've honed their message so specifically and they know exactly what people want and they deliver the things the way people want to receive them. Uh, I just finished uh, reading a book, uh, The Five Love Languages. I read it again. It's great. And the whole message of the book really is that everybody has a certain language they love to hear. And people who have, who have powerful influencing ability understand the language that people love to hear. And so how do we hone that in our own system? How do we hone that in our life? And that may, it makes me think, I'd like to wrap up here in just a minute with giving people a couple tangible aspects of things that hurt your ability to influence. Uh, even just in a face-to-face personal circumstance, when we have good intent and yet the things that we do that hurt our ability to influence, uh, Tom, I'll lead off that, but uh, real quick, just on this aspect of, or these questions here, Susan, uh, writes and she says, I think, uh, I'm sorry, Carrie, she says, you can absolutely serve someone that you don't have influence with. So she's taking a different stance. Let's, let's talk about that real quick because can I serve, can I go to a, uh, soup kitchen and just serve. Can I volunteer in different roles and serve without having any influence? Absolutely. In that aspect, let's clarify then in this service that we're talking about is the ability again, to bring somebody a message product service that we want to offer that we think can help them that we want to sell and make a profit from as well. That is very different from a, Hey, I can volunteer. I can push that broom. I can do something not to make it all low level stuff, but I can do that. Can you serve? Absolutely. You can serve. You can give somebody a homeless person, you know, money you can uh, donate to charities. So many ways that you can serve. We're talking about, and I didn't define this. I don't know if anything pops into mind for you, Tom, we're talking about service in the aspect of bringing your gifting product service message and imparting it, being able to impart that to someone that then does require influence. Did I do that justice, Tom? Yep, you did. Okay. You got it. Okay. All right. Well, let's wrap up here as we're on the 30 minute mark with, and I'm going to, I'm going to look here at the comments that have been coming in. Thank you guys. we got a big audience with us right now watching live on our Facebook broadcast page, which you can find at ZieglerShow.com. Let's just give them a couple things, Tom, on little, little aspects. You mentioned one where, you know, which is a volatile thing to talk about somebody's weight, but where people do judge a book by its cover. What are some really tangible, simple things that can hurt your ability to influence? Because when you were saying that, the first thing I thought of is how many people in a sales situation, good intent, and they just flat out talk too much and they won't shut up and listen. It's a bad habit. We're all prone to doing. Would you say that's at the top of the list? Absolutely. So we, we, we talk too much. We don't listen. That's number one. Number two is a lot of times we will criticize the competition, you know, who we're selling against. And that is a big no, no. When we, when we're negative about somebody else that lowers who we are, 
Uh, there's no way to win with the competition by by cutting them down. Uh, our whole and it's more. It's not just weight. It's 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 mainly just your appearance. Are you professional? Are you representing the brand that you're trying to influence? Uh, would that person want to be like you, right? Because people buy you first. So will they want to be like you? In our presentation skills training, we help people to make that good first introduction. You know, we step up with confidence. We have our remarks prepared. We know how to start strong. Those are all have a big impact on how we're able to influence as we build the relationship. Okay. Well, so there, and we could go on and on and on, but the, I think the thing <clears throat> that is, uh, should be eye opening to people is there are some simple things that really come under a sales context. And, and I first cut my teeth on them with Ziegler material, as well as, you know, the uh, classic how to win friends and influence people. And again, it wasn't about being a con artist. This isn't about being somebody you're not. It's really about showing people that you care, that you're listening, that you're attentive, that you have their good intent uh, in mind so that they respect you and, and trust you when they do that, you, they will be open. That opens themselves up. And there are some learnable things. And that is, I mean, that runs through everything you guys do at Ziegler, Tom. I mean, from the Ziegler legacy certification, uh, which is a huge thing to the sales boot camp to your keys to top performance, to the products and services that are so, uh, the products, I'm sorry, uh, you know, books and CDs that are sold, you know, at Ziegler. I mean, that runs through everything. And our, if we can impart something to you all listening right now, Tom, uh, I feel like, I feel like it would be that you can learn these things that will give you, it will increase your ability to help and serve others and progress in your personal life. You just have to not be prouder than Zig himself was and put your time in, uh, Tom, Boy, it's hard to encapsulate. There's so much here. Again, I, I would really inspire people to go to the Facebook page, look at the posts that we did and the questions we asked. Again, we're probably at the time that we are at now, we've had over 200 comments and we could go on for the next three hours talking through those. Thank you so much to everybody who did leave a comment in there. Uh, but I think it would be a great benefit for folks to go through there and read that. And by the way, that is something that we want to continue to do with this show is ask questions, really hear from you so that we can respond with what we know is of value. Now, next week, I'm going to be back here and I am going to listen. We're going to have a zig clip and then we're going to talk about a specific aspect again, as we always do. But we're going to have a special guest uh, VIP guy that a lot of folks know. Uh, if you're a Dave Ramsey listener, he's always referring to Dan Miller as the career guy. Uh, he's a wonderful Ziggler follower, and I should know because I happen to also be his son. And uh, Tom, you're a frequent listener to his podcast, right? Absolutely. I listen to his, uh, his podcast probably twice a week uh, when I'm working out. So it always inspires me. And the thing is, is it's so simple, so basic, and yet I learn something every time. It's just an amazing thing. Well, awesome. Okay, well, Tom, uh, always a gift to do this with your brother. Uh, thank you. Thanks for your heart, your insight. And folks, uh, do yourself a favor. Find a way to engage with the Ziegler products, the Ziegler events. There's nothing better than getting in there in the room with Tom, one of the other Ziegler leaders, and really going through this stuff face-to-face -face in a personal way. Uh, and so on that, Tom, one more time, what's, what is the next, I should have it in front of me with the next event that people could engage with you is give us a date. 
I believe it's January 28th in Orlando at Zig Ziglar's Keys to Tire Performance. Okay. And you can find everything at Ziglar.com. Go to the website. You can find things on the events page there. Though, again, if you're not on our email list, we let you know everything there, which you can actually find at the show page, the ZiglarShow.com page. Go there and there's a little green button. Sign up for the reminders and it'll just grab your email off your Facebook profile. So it's a one click and you're done and we can keep in contact with you. That email address we keep private of course and we try not to wear you out just let you know things that we're doing here and how we can help you uh thanks to everybody for being here the big crowd that was with us today i appreciate it tom it's an honor thanks brother thank you brother take care everyone thanks for tuning into the ziggler show sign up for new show alerts at zigglershow.com you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want.